Welcome to the Cosmic Soup Bowl podcast about astrology, culture, and motherhood. This is your host, Ashley Otero, and this is the first episode of the show. Today's episode is a discussion on the value of astrology, and I'm so excited to have two really great guests to dive into this topic with me. But first, I have some updates about the direction of the show before we get started. The first is that I'm thrilled to have already a number of guests lined up for various upcoming episodes for at least the next couple of months. Some of the guests include one of my birth doulas who will be talking about offering support to mothers and fathers, bringing life into the world, uh, holding space for the living and for those who have passed, as well as other nuggets of wisdom that she's learned from her work. I've invited my former professor and employer, Robert Hayden, to speak about several topics, including community acupuncture and the movement that that represents, his interesting background and experience with Japanese acupuncture and herbal medicine, and his background in music theory, writing, and spiritual wisdom. Two of the episodes that I'm going to be doing are going to be dedicated to mindfulness and children's mental wellness and development with my friends, Linny and Judy. One of them is a mindfulness instructor, and the other is a family therapist who specializes in children's psychology. We'll be discussing simple techniques for mindfulness meditation, and in another episode, I hope to discuss the topic of epigenetics and technology's role in children's lives today. Another astrology episode is also underway, and the premise is how now is the best time to be an astrologer. And we're really just trying to find a good day that works for everyone to record it, so hopefully that will be out sooner than later. I'm also hoping to have another guest on in a few months about a book we're both reading to discuss one of the Tibetan approaches to meditation for mental imbalances. That's all I'm going to say about that for now. Uh, I hope that we get to do this though, because it seems like it could be a very interesting episode. Other plans for the show include establishing a segment to be released once or twice a month on Wednesdays, and it's going to be dedicated to the magical community. I don't want to spoil any surprises, but the segment seeks to destigmatize some of the notions we have around titles like witch and magic. Aside from these episodes, I'm aiming to fit in solo episodes to talk about astrological forecasts, also known as transits, uh, and how they fit into some of the current events in the world. And we will see how soon I'm able to get that out. In other news, I've been working really hard to squeeze in time to write for myself and for the blog, and I have several posts that I would like to get out. But right now, it's still a very slow process. Most of my writing and ideas are jotted down in my notepad, on my phone, in bed, while I nurse my sleeping little baby. So little steps and little by little stuff is materializing. And I hope that it provides interesting perspective or maybe just entertainment for those of you who don't have an aversion to reading more than one sentence on Instagram. All right, that's it for updates. So let's move on to today's show. I've been interested in having this conversation, not just with the astrological community, but especially with the public for the last three years after attending my first astrology conference, which was NORWAC 2015 and after I got to meet several other astrologers in the flesh. So at the time, I had been consulting clients in astrology for about two years, and I had a really good idea of how challenging it could be to make a solid living off of consoles as a professional astrologer. What's interesting is that many of the people that I speak to, whether it be friends or new acquaintances, seem to voice this common-held notion that astrologers 
are banking and making a killing from their craft. And while I certainly know there are some doing very well for themselves, and certainly there are professionals who are able to sustain themselves from a full-time practice or even by consulting as well as teaching and writing, most of the working astrologers that I know hold at least one other occupation in order to pay the bills. So I remember having a long conversation next to this businessman on my flight over to Seattle before that conference, and he expressed this same idea that astrologers make tons of money, and this was based off of his business consulting experience. And when I told him I was on my way to a conference for astrologers, he decided to tell me just how much money astrologers make. And I found this somewhat of a funny and ironic statement since I was attending the conference on a scholarship that uh, AFAN, which is the Association for Astrological Networking, had rewarded me with after submitting an essay on why I wanted to attend but needed financial assistance to do so. Funnily enough, the first college degree that I obtained was a bachelor's in business administration, which I find for the most part useless as a degree. I learned more outside of school than I did inside school, but I don't mostly, uh, I guess my aversion to the concept of business and marketing is really just because I don't really find a lot of satisfaction in the majority of the marketing practices, mostly because of the whole idea of manipulation and needing to manipulate people into wanting something or thinking that you need something that you don't really need. And that left a bad taste in my mouth. So I don't think people, I don't think business people are evil. I want to make sure that that's clear. I don't have anything against business people. I don't think you're evil. I myself am an entrepreneur, so I am a business person. But I think that there is a lot of dark stuff around a majority of the common practices that are out there today. So anyways, after the conference I had attended, I, uh, I intended to create and disseminate a survey for other astrologers and their clients to get an idea of what the perceived value of astrology really is. Considering that I know several practitioners complain about people asking them for free readings or people being offended when they request a free reading and it's declined. So just for the record, most astrologers will agree that asking for a free reading when they charge for it and it's where their income comes from is like asking any other professional or business person for a handout. Sometimes people will say something like, hey, I know you're really into astrology and you have a lot of knowledge about it, could you tell me about this in my chart? Or what does it mean if I have this rising and I have my moon sign in this? It's like going up to your masseuse or approaching your accountant or your doctor and saying, hey, I know you're really into and knowledgeable about uh, accounting or massage therapy or medicine. Could you give me some advice about this for free? Like, could you just tell me a little bit about this? So, I know, I know a lot of people probably don't realize that when they do that, but it can be really frustrating for professionals. Uh, although a majority of astrologers do consider their work to be spiritual in nature, it doesn't mean an exchange doesn't need to happen. For many of us, or for those who spend the majority of our effort on maintaining astrology as our primary vocation, the most flexible form of currency 
is money because that is what sustains us the furthest. Unfortunately, a trade and services is not something that I can use to pay my bills. And I think a lot of astrologers would agree. Long story short, I never completed the creation of the survey that I mentioned a minute ago, but the idea did stick with me. And fast forward a few years later, and I've decided to have a conversation with a couple of other professionals in the field about the value of astrology. That said, I decided to look deeper into some of the biggest factors that would dictate what the value of astrology is. Which leads me to introduce you to the guests of the show today, Annabelle Gatt and Elodie Miao. So ladies, please tell us a little bit about yourselves, including your work and your backgrounds. Annabelle, would you care to start? Okay, um, I'm Annabelle Gatt. Most people know me from my daily and my monthly horoscopes on Broadly, which is a website on Vice. And in addition to writing daily and monthly horoscopes, I also have a consulting practice. I especially love horary, so I do that a lot with my clients. Um, and I also teach classes. I have weekly classes going in Brooklyn that are all in person. They're pretty small. They're very, you know, uh, we all know each other really well at this point, And I have a lot of regular students who come. And that's one of my favorite parts of being an astrologer is teaching people, which is also why I love writing and why I love consulting, too. Awesome. Um, my name is Elodie Saint-Anjoupu, but I go as Elodie Miao because practicing in the English world and it's easier. Um, I'm a professional astrologer in Newfoundland and I do a part-time practice for the moment. I did do full-time, uh, at some point. I alternate, um, I do consultation and workshop and I also do private tutoring. Um, I, do get the occasional horoscope gig writing, but I alternate also with a cooking job because I like moving my body. <laughs> I miss moving my body. I used to work in a restaurant, and I, for anyone who is out there listening to this episode wondering if they should leave their full-time job and do astrology full-time, I have to say the grass is always greener, and having balance in your life is so much more important than anything else. Yeah, when when I did do astrology full time, I did not enjoy just uh, being on my computer and writing all the time. <laughs> and I think like the balance for me works really well right now. I need to get out of my head and just yeah use my body, and I find it's a it's a nice balance for now. Yeah, I think in Western society, especially we we think that success success means that like you have this one goal and you achieve it and that's all you're going to do. And, you know, in astrology, it's like, oh, I'm going to be a full time astrologer. But that absolutely doesn't equal success or fame or fortune or happiness. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I love that you um, I love the way that you said that, because especially happiness, because it's like, you know, sometimes we just strive so hard for a certain goal because in our head it's like, well, this is how it should be. Like, I'm not you know, I wouldn't be good enough unless I'm able to obtain this goal. But then, like, that doesn't always necessarily mean that it's going to be what makes you happy. Um, and, you know, like, I personally find as well, like, being able to do more than one thing um, because I just have a lot of interest in multiple topics really helps, you know, like not being so focused on one thing because then it really it enriches my my perceptions and my content in a sense but it also just helps me from like getting 
maybe too much in my head, like Elodie said. But let's be honest, astrology does require a lot of time, and it's it's all it's really hard to do it part time. I'm going to be honest about that. Um, I find I definitely don't have as much time as I would like for reading and spending time in front of charts and studying. But I think even when I was doing that full time, I felt like I didn't have enough time to study <laughs> or to practice. Yeah, the, there's. Go ahead. You were about to say, I think, what I was going to say. Just there's something about astrology that is continuous. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's like a work in progress. There's like it's not you you don't get to an end with it, you know. Absolutely, yeah. and a job is still a job. You know, I I'm still lucky to work with astrology full time, but I am writing horoscopes most of my day, and and I don't really have much time to study the other things that I really want to study in astrology. And I'm not complaining because I adore the horoscope so much, but once something is a job, it's, it's a job. It's not your hobby anymore. Yes, definitely. Um, I have a friend who actually, um, you know, had a, a dance studio and, you know, it's dance is her passion, but it doesn't take away from the fact that at the end of the day, it is still her job to teach and to keep that business running and open. And when it's a job, you know, it's like one, you do need compensation and, and it's a work. It's a job, whether you love it or not, you know, there's always going to be something more that you want to add to your, your skill or your talent. And definitely like astrology is one of those things that it's just like, it is so vast. There are so many branches and traditions and there's just so much never-ending information that you can learn and it's just like oh my god like even myself I, you know I think about this a lot especially lately is like oh I really want to you know like study up more on this and study more with this astrologer and it's just like how am I ever gonna find the time <laughs> to do that like will I ever do that before I'm dead um anyways so uh this leads me to I want to go ahead and dive more into other aspects of the value of astrology. So because um, the skill and expertise of each astrologer varies so widely, um, so too can the fees of astrologer services. Um, so some people offer birth chart consultations and with that psycho-spiritual insight, or some people, you know, um, have a niche in like financial advice. Some offer magical advice and when to do, you know, when to time certain things and they'll offer a talisman or magical tools and also some do electional which is also has to do with timing certain events to get a, an optimal um, result that you would like that said i think there's somewhat of a general price range that astrological services tend to range from but i also have seen that that can range very widely as well like i see a lot of astrologers sitting in a kind of frame but then I've also been surprised to see some people charging much further below that. And then, of course, there are people that charge like astronomical, in, in my <laughs> view, uh, rates, which I'm like, how does anyone afford that? But I guess they're catering to a very specific niche. So um, do you guys think that there should be a general price range or, you know, like cause some astrologers, they'll book out for months in advance. And then, you know, of course, it's a matter of supply and demand and then some consult like billionaires or something in financial industries or in business matters, which, of course, you would expect them to charge high prices to reflect that. But should all astrologers be aiming to charge like a similar price? Or do you think, for example, like what about sliding scales or offering options to those people that can't really dish out even like 100 plus for a reading? 
do astrologers who do something like that, if they charge below that, do you guys feel like that demeans the practice in any way? Like some some marketers would say, like, oh, that's like, you know, that's kind of insulting to the rest of us, or do you think astrologers have to base their prices on what others are charging? Or does that mean that, you know, if someone does that, it's that because they don't value themselves or they're maybe they're not good enough at what they do yet. Um, so their prices don't reflect the same as what others with similar experience and skill have. I have a lot to say, but Elodie, um, I want, I want to make sure that I don't talk over you. That's okay. You go ahead first. Okay. So I think it's really hard to talk about the value of astrology and the value of astrologers without talking about capitalism. And I'm not going to like dive too deeply into that, but the thing is an astrology consultation is a service and a service doesn't really have an inherent value to it. For example, something like gold or salt that we can like measure, you know? So this service of astrology isn't something we can really measure. A lot of people say, well, you know, I charge X for my uh, consultations because I have spent this many thousands of dollars on classes over the year. You could say that, but to be honest with you all, I have no idea how much money I've spent on classes over the last, like, you know, however many years I've been studying since I was, like, 18 years old. I could have, I mean, I'm joking here, but I feel like I could have spent, like, a million dollars at this point in my life already. I have no idea. I'm not keeping track. I don't think most of us keep track. But, yes, there's a lot of um, not just money but also time and effort that goes into studying this. But it's something that's extremely difficult to quantify. So it's not like we can say that astrology inherently has any value. But what does have value is our time. And I think many astrologers agree it's not that we're charging for an astrology consultation. We're charging for the time that someone is taking to speak with us. So what you're going to the price tag that you're going to put on the time it takes you to write an uh, 500 word, you know, e emailed report uh, and at the time, the value of your time to speak to someone for a half hour or an hour or 90 minutes is going to depend on you as a person, which I think is um, can be summed up in a few different ways. First is how wide your reach is, how many people are trying to get in touch with you for a reading. Obviously, if there's a high demand of people getting in touch with you, you are probably going to be able to raise your prices. And again, going back to capitalism, generally the way that people charge for things is they charge as much as they can as long as people will keep buying it. And if you get to a certain point, people stop buying, then you bring the price back down. So one thing that is going to come into play in how much you're charging is how many people are coming to you for readings. If you wake up in the morning and your inbox is absolutely empty because no one knows your name and you, let's say you, no one has really seen your horoscopes around, you're not well known, of course you're going to char charge less because that is going to be a way to bring people in through the door. And if you're someone who's very widely known, who has, a, has work that people really resonate with and really like, then of course you can charge more. As for whether or not someone should give free consultations, again, it goes back to whether or not someone has time to do it. I don't think anybody um, needs to make time to do that because, frankly, if you're too exhausted to do that, the consultation is going to be horrible and you've just wasted the client's time as well as your own. It's not going to make anyone happy. Um, I do think that most astrologers do offer a lot of free um, uh, content, whether that is through horoscopes or through blog posts or, or through um, YouTube channels or uh, podcasts. And frankly, they should because that's an amazing way to get your name out there. And if they don't, that's really their responsibility or that's it's their prerogative to choose how, how they spend their time. So that's kind of in short how I feel about that.
Yeah, well said. I think, yeah. um, yeah, I'm pretty much along the same line. I'm pretty greedy with my time. <laughs> I like my time. It's valuable. And so I do not offer free reading. But like Annabelle said, we do offer a lot of free content as astrologer because of so the nature of social media. So there's a lot of our time that is actually spent uh, doing things for free. <laughs> uh, and also even just like having conversation here or there, people are like, oh, you know, um, how does this work? What do you think of the flat earth, for example? Or, you know, weird questions that people will ask you. Yeah. <laughs> it takes time to answer these. Um, and I have had people, and I don't charge like crazy amount. I think I'm pretty average, but I've had people being like, oh, no, this this is too expensive for me. I'm never mind. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, too bad. You know, I'm not going to be, um, I think, you know, a hundred and something for a consultation is pretty reasonable. When you think a pair of jeans these days is like $250 and people will pay that <laughs> for a pair of jeans. You know, yeah. I always, yeah. I always think that I'm like, well, they don't, they're not really, you know, they're not really valuing the service or, they're not ready to dish out that kind of money yet, you know? Um, right, they're not ready to, make, ready to make that kind of investment. And if they're not ready to make that investment in that service and what it's going to offer them, then they're not ready. It's, it's less value. There's something about the, the exchange of money that is, like, energetically. It just makes it more valuable. It just works, it just works that way. Um, even when I started, when I first started doing consultation, I was go, uh, I was studying with Adam Ellenbass and we had like a student clinic, uh, going on. So each other turn we took reading, uh, with, um, it was donation based. And I noticed, uh, that people that, the people that retained the most or the people that were the most like, uh, actively like interested were people who were paying a little bit more. I, I feel like when something is free, you just don't, it's just, it's, it doesn't have the same value. I think, yeah, I think anybody that is in this sort of healing, uh, industry will, there's something energetically draining if you're like undercharging for your time. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, I think most people in any kind of, whether it's astrology or any kind of healing art that's not conventional can definitely resonate with that and agree with that and probably have some uh, story that can relate to that as well. Um, I think often clients come to astrologers during times of crisis. I think we all kind of notice that and to the degree, to the degree that the astrologer is up to that task of providing some kind of insight for them or some kind of remedial advice, uh, the client receives an arguably valuable service. Um, you know, like Annabelle was saying, like it's hard to really quantify what that value is. We could definitely say that as far as the astrologers up to that task of being able to provide them with something, it's definitely valuable. I actually have to say that it brings me more comfort knowing that more people that don't believe in astrology um, that brings me more comfort than the idea that people would believe in astrology because I think astrology is not really something to believe in. And I think other people will articulate this in different ways um, or might argue against it because they have maybe um, a different perspective or maybe something that I'm not articulating. But 
I think it's something to be experienced, and I know other astrologers have said this. I know Rob Hand has said that before in the past, and that when I heard that, it really stuck with me as like, yeah, well, astrology is not a belief. It's an experience, and we observe it through our lives. It's a subjective experience. So, um, you know, it's an observation of the quality of time, but because of the focus on that subjective experience, it seems to be seen as less valuable and not to be trusted because we can't measure it quote-unquote objectively like with a consensus experience a consensual experience so um people compare its value to that of science because you know science has been known to be objective about things and therefore seen at least in our culture as more valuable but i think that that in itself is also a cultural value is you know science being objective therefore more valuable so one of the biggest aspects to consider when considering the quote-unquote worth of astrology is that by business metrics, astrology fits into the booming self-help industry. So when I was thinking about this and trying to think about like how I wanted to dive into figuring out what kind of value astrology brings and how we would figure that out, I you know thought about I, I think maybe I was thinking about Barnes and Noble or I was thinking about like the small section that astrology would fit into, like in the occult and divination section at Barnes and Noble or something. And and I realized that, yeah, it's probably into the self-help industry. So I did some more digging into that. So the statistics and significant trends that are in self-help today are what we're going to be kind of diving into a little bit more and talking about um, the U.S. self-improvement market has been stated to be worth now, or at least in 2017, stated to be worth $11 billion. And it's forecast to post a 5.6% average yearly gain. And this was from starting in 2016 until 2022, when the market should be by then worth about $13.2 billion. I wanted to go over a few of the most significant trends in the self-help industry and how I think that uh, correlates with astrology. So one, we have shifting demographics. So um, I actually wanted to ask you guys about this as well, as far as what your, if you have a majority um, age group for your clients, like do you see more millennials? Do you see baby boomers? Do you see, I mean, probably somewhere around there, like do you guys see younger clients mostly or older clients or maybe is it an even mix? Because right now it seems that, the, as far as the self-help industry goes, things are really changing, and now millennials are the largest population group. Uh, baby boomers are no longer that largest population group, which means that um, the way that we present this material should be different because millennials are asking for or um, they're attracted to different forms of self-help than what the baby boomers were. Um, and then, you know, of course, we have to take into account the average salary of a millennial, which is... 20% lower, estimated to be about 20% lower than the average salary that a baby boomer had at the same age. So do you guys have anything to, any insight about like your client population and the salary in terms of like what kind of salaries your, pay, your clients are making? I mean, you probably don't have that much information, but I get a good uh, balance of baby boomers and millennials. But just to go back on your point of astrology being an experience, I think the younger generation is more willing to pay for an experience or spend money on an experience than on materials. So maybe that's one of the reasons why 
um, astrology is booming with the younger generation. Obviously, social media is transforming the way we practice also. Definitely. Yes. Um, it's true. And it's interesting because the trend has been well, so far what I've read in the self-help industry is that actually materialism trumps anything um, spirituality wise. Uh, you know, that self-help industry tends towards these results that are focused on material or, um, you know, quote unquote success, like weight loss or, you know, making money, you know, those kinds of things. So, um, but I do think, I mean, and of course, definitely social media also reflects that. I think that um, younger generations are much more uh, attracted to the the perceived spiritual benefits that they might get from an astrology consultation. Yeah, I mean, I when I was a young, you know, very young person, like in my early 20s, 21, I you know, hardly had any money. I was struggling to pay my cell phone bill, to pay my rent, but I always scraped together like the 150 needed to see my astrology teacher. Like that was above every other bill or thing I had to pay for. I like made sure that I was able to afford that. And of course, not everybody loves astrology that much, but like the people who do love astrology that much, like those are my favorite clients because for me, what's rewarding about being an astrologer is working with people who are really eager to learn because I want to pass like my knowledge on to other people. So if a younger person comes to me and they sincerely can't afford it, typically I, for classes, I will do some kind of payment plan or possibly sliding scale because it, for me, I'm invested in teaching people. But for just a one-off consultation, just to talk about, you know, someone's love life or something like that, I'm not interested because that, that doesn't have value for me. But what does have value for me is teaching other people. And I'm happy to be a little bit flexible when I'm able to afford it with my time and, and budget to be able to help uh, anyone who sincerely needs uh, assistance. Um, and, you know, my clients are definitely a wide variety of age ages, but in general, I would say many of them are like within 10 years of my age, whether it's, you know, 10 years younger or 10 years older, that's like most of my clients are around that age. And some of them make a lot of money and some of them are hardly making any money. And all of them uh, that I, you know, that are my clients who I, who I see frequently all love astrology and they, they make, they find a way to make it work. Yeah, definitely. I, I love the point that you made that, you know, when you were younger that you would scrape together and make it your priority to make sure that you had enough money to see your astrology teacher, uh, because I can totally relate to that. And I think probably a lot of millennials these days can, uh, because it's like, well, the priorities have shifted um, in a sense that, yes, of course, bills and all of that are important. And uh, that this is not like an umbrella statement. Of, I know that there are definitely you know, people that are not feeling that, but I think a lot of people do feel that way. That's like, you know, if you're passionate about something or if you really, if it's important to you, if it's truly important to you, like you said, you'll find a way to make it work. Yeah, um, I was eating dollar pizza. I didn't care. Like I'll have a dollar pizza for breakfast, <laughs> lunch and dinner because that will mean I can, you know, save on groceries or whatever else, you know, $3 a day budget for food and I'll be able to see my astrologer. Perfect. You know, and I and I never made it my astrologer's problem. I didn't I didn't tell her that's what I was doing, yeah. you know, because I re really respected her time and her effort, you know. Yes, 
I would uh, like to add another, um, well, an observation. I think that the difference, the generational difference is that the older generation, baby boomers, um, and that might be just age, not necessarily generation, but they're more interested in having, getting answers, uh, for me and from me anyway. And the millennial are more interested in learning the language so they can apply it and they can learn about their chart. So that's the big difference I see. I find the old gen- older generation are just like, tell me what's going on. I don't want to think. I don't want to learn this nonsense. Like, I just want you to tell me, like, should I buy this house or, but the younger generation are totally like, I want to learn about my chart. I want to know like the moon cycle. I want to know this language. Yeah. That is totally right. But I thought you were going to say something else, which is I thought you were going to say the older generation doesn't have a problem haggling. (laughs) 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 And it's been my experience that it's typically the younger people who never even think to ask for a discount ever. And it's always people, it's usually baby boomers are much older who ask me if there are freebies, whereas it's my much younger students. So I, how I have to say like, Hey, if you're not signing up for class this semester, because you can't afford it, please talk to me. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a good point. And I've not really thought about it to that depth, but like, I think like I've kind of suspected that in a sense, because um, older clients that I've had as well, also, um, some of them, if they'll, you know, mention, like, they might not necessarily be trying to haggle with me, but they might, like, point out, like, they can't afford my service, or this has been, like, at least in the past, um, you know, that they can't really afford it, or maybe they'll do it in another time because they can't afford it, afford it at the moment, but they'll make sure to, to voice that, whereas my, um, younger clients, I think like maybe some of them that I'm missing out on or have missed out on at, at, at least in the past is because they're not, they're not going to complain to me about it. They're just not going to say anything and then I don't hear from them. So I think that's a good point. Like you said, you, you probably, Annabelle, like you've had to reach out to them and say like, Hey, if you're having problems, like let's figure it out if you really want to do this and whether you offer a sliding scale or whether you offer to take, uh, you know, payments broken up into you know so many payments or something like that you figure a way to work it out but that's an interesting observation yeah it could also be that as you get older you get more set in your ways mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so it might not necessarily be like specifically the baby boomers but just that as you get older you're just like more yeah well more i want to point out that like um in the case that anyone were to argue, which I don't know that they would, but in the case that anyone were to argue or say like, well, maybe the people that are, you know, valuing this more is because they're not really educated or something. But that's not actually the case because millennials have more education and they hold more college degrees and advanced degrees and have actually a higher earning potential than their, you know, degreeless baby boomers do. So it doesn't really have to do with being like less or more educated. So, I just wanted to actually throw that in there as well um, as far as like when we're looking at like uh, the spending power and the demographics of who makes up the self-help industry and who would make up our potential astrology clients. I think it's that's a really valuable point. And the other thing is that it's not just our uh, clients who come in for consultations who are well-educated, but many, I would say nearly everyone who's hired me um, to have a, uh, a column at a at a you know online uh, website or to like work on a to work on any kind of really big project at a big company 
all of them have been highly educated, you know, business people who went out of their way to hire me, not just because they think that astrology is trendy, but because they really like something else of mine that I wrote. And they, they think I have like a good sense of humor and they're really interested in astrology and they want to see astrology become successful. So it's not just like, oh, they have a degree and they want to get a reading like they have a degree and they're also investing in it for their own businesses, not just, you know, having like electional things, but hiring people to write horoscopes or hiring to um, help with like copy in, in some other way or, or making astrologically based products. I think that's like, yeah, that's also has a lot to do with uh, like branding and personality. I feel like, you know, how well you present yourself, how, you know, how uh, open you are. Mm-hmm. Um There's something, there's something about the whole like industry that, and right now on social media also, the branding is like, you are your own branding. You are, you are marketing yourself. So if you have like a great accessible personality, then more opportunities does tend to come toward, to, to you because people are like, Oh, this person is interesting. You know, it's easy to talk to this person, get an answer and comprehensive. And I, Annabelle, I feel like there's something, you know, um, you are a valuable astrologer. Like, um, it's not to diminish like your actual skills, but there's something charismatic also about your personality that makes it maybe so that you get more opportunities. You know I think I mean? that's definitely true now, but something I always like to remind my students is that when I first started writing, I didn't have, I didn't use my real name. I had a pen name, which was licorice root. And I also didn't have any images of me online. I like never took selfies. I didn't have an Instagram. I, Just, I had a very small Facebook with like a few photos of me and just my close friends. I didn't do any social media really at all for my business until maybe 2016 or something like that. And even then it was very lackluster and not really a, a brand whatsoever. And I got my first writing jobs, um, by, by writing, um, e-reports and one of my clients had, you know, a, a master's degree in journal- journalism, extremely well-educated, um, came from a family, like, you know, her father was a doctor, you know, uh, very science-minded, and she really liked the way that I, I wrote, and she really believes in astrology, and she w- wrote for a very, very big, on- she was an editor at a very big online platform, um, which I won't name right now, because I don't want to, like, you know, call her out or anything like that, but she... Uh, she hired me to write for this huge platform because she loved astrology and she was very highly educated and she, you know, just hired me because she loved, she loved astrology, not because of, not but because your I voice, keep, but yeah. your voice also, I like, I'm thinking uh, who, the astrologer that comes to mind is mystic Medusa, who I have never seen her face. Mm-hmm. Um, but she still has this sort of like through the words, through the words, the personality and the charisma shines, you know, you, you get a sense of the person, uh, through the writing. So it's not necessarily like, um, image so much as like the essence of the person, like filtering through, um, the interpretation, the horoscope or the writing. Yeah, I definitely think that's really important to have personality come through. But I think my main point is that, you know, followers or not, or how big your reach is, Very educated people are hiring astrologers because they love astrology, not just because it is popular now. And also because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that um, something that from my perspective that I've noticed um, since I have 
you know, I consider, I say studying, even though I am a professional and I do consultations because I never think that the, as you guys know, the studying never ends. So I, you know, since I, since I've been studying since 2010, um, I noticed that astrologers for the large part are some of the most articulate and intellectual people that I know regardless of their backgrounds and where they come from and what other degrees or you know what other education they have and the way that they're able to explain things whether it be because you know they are mercurial or in some sense or whether it be just because of their study and practice of astrology being able to access you know a larger vocabulary or put words together in a way that really um, that really uncovers how something plays out or how someone feels is like you know un, it's not really comparable to a lot of other people I mean of course professional writers yes but um, my point is that I've noticed that a lot of astrologers even if I don't like them or agree with them or if they're snobs or something I still notice that a lot of them for the most part are some of the most articulate people and intellectual people that I know contrary to what a lot of people that might be skeptical think that like we're just you know unscientific or not objective and we're just like following you know people that don't really know anything about astrology basically um, so I don't know if that was kind of like part of a point that you were making before, Annabelle, as far as like um, people just like really liking, you know, what they're reading or what they, they see, like, you know, they resonate with something that you say and they like the way that you say it. It's like, well, yeah, like, I, you know, they, they can relate to that and they feel like, oh, hey, this person's or this, you know, astrology must have something to it because it's like it's not it doesn't sound like just a bunch of made up crap, you know. Totally. But it's a- it's a crazy mental gymnastic to be translating astrology into horoscope. You know, it requires so much intellectual effort. Um, I think, like, kudos yeah. to, you, to both of you who write horoscope. Uh, Annabelle, I know you have, like, this crazy routine. I, yeah, it's like, it is like lifting mental weight, like, for your brain. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that. It does. Um Okay, so I want to move on so we don't spend too much time on that part because there's some other things that I want to get to. So, um, and we've kind of already touched up on this, but one of the other things, um, one of the bigger factors or trends in the self-help industry right now is that the Internet is playing a larger role, of course, than it was for baby boomers or older generations because, you know, we live in the age now of the Internet uh, explosion or boom, you know, so there's more content and people are basically getting everything that they need online it's like you don't even have to go shopping you don't have to step outside anymore if you don't want to if you want to buy everything from amazon if you want to shop you can have your groceries delivered like all of that and that of course includes education and content and i think that this is a strong point for astrologers because one we're able to reach a much wider uh audience because of the internet and you know being that it's such a fringe or outlying practice this really helps us and helps people discover astrology whereas they might not before um and we're able to deliver a lot of our content through different things whether it's download like mp3s we can offer courses or recordings like that and ebooks and even webinars or online classes stuff like that um so i think that that's a really big role as far as how valuable astrology can be whereas a lot of um maybe self-help 
life coaches, for example, or other things might hold things in in person, or that has been at least the trend of the past is, you know, go to a hotel and you take like you do a retreat for a weekend or something like that. Whereas now people are shifting to they want things now, they want it quick, and they want to be able to just click it and be able to get what they need. Yeah, I yeah. Go ahead, Annabella. Well, I don't I don't really have much to say about that other than it's totally true the internet has changed everything. But I think as I get older, what I really realize is that connecting with people and and connection and community and very often just being in person is is never going to replace anything that happens online. You know, I think my horoscopes are amazing. I think my podcast is great. I think I'm very funny on Twitter, but when it comes down to it, like it's my in-person classes where we have the most fun and where I know I have the biggest impact and where I say the most interesting things. And in my, and you know, books are great, but it's always community. Like whether you're talking about astrology or anything else, it's just being around other people is so valuable. And I know that it's really hard to have that all the time because we're working or we're traveling, or maybe we don't live somewhere where there are a lot of astrologers, you know, it's, it's hard to find that. So it's great that the internet's there. But the internet definitely isn't a replacement for um, for hu- for a human experience, an in-person human experience. Yeah, I love also, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's also something hap- like the internet is just constantly mutating. It just seems like it's constantly like shifting, and so you always have to readapt yourself. And like, um, there's a new platform, and there's you know, and there's the younger generation coming in and then there's all this um also things that you have to sort through like superficial things that you have to sort through to get like the value of what what is being said i find sometimes just it's like a saturation feeling then mm-hmm. and that's why the value of in person you just don't have to like be sorting through all the noise and all the screaming happening not necessarily like literal screaming but it's just everybody everybody has something to say and everybody's doing something and it just becomes a sort of yeah saturation yeah yeah um well as far as value and this is probably more related to financial or monetary value um but or material value is a sense of bringing in jobs for astrologers, um, something that Annabelle uh, mentioned when we were talking about the creation of this episode was um, new jobs being created such as meme designer. Um, so I don't know that if you wanted to insane. talk about that. Yeah, you know, like people now, that's a job now is that you come up with dank memes. That's a job, you know, oh you, you, you pull a, a screenshot from a show and, you know, it could be uh, Kim Kardashian crying and you're like, and then at the top you just write when the moon's in cancer and then suddenly you have a meme, you know, and it goes around and, and companies are paying for that. And I'm, you know, hearing more and more, uh, that people are doing that for work, but what do you charge for that? Is that a $10 thing that you do in five minutes or is that a $250, um, uh, asset that you bring to a company for each one you produce? I have no idea. And that's what I meant by the internet is constantly mutating and evolving and changing. It's all these things popping out. Like when I read the script for this show, I was like, meme, like somebody's getting paid to meme. Oh my God. I, just, I mean, yeah, it sounds silly, but the thing is, 
everyone loves memes. Why not? I know. And I follow trash bag astrology. And yeah. like a, a lot of it, I'm like, that's nonsense. That's not even like how it is. But I still, I'm still on there in the morning when I drink my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> if oh, someone no. wanted to pay me to write memes, I would do it. I don't think anyone, any one of us would say no. Maybe yeah. I won't. It's fun and it's 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 a great way to express yourself creatively. But at the same time, who would have thought this five years ago? Right. I would have thought this like the ancient astrologers. Can you yeah. imagine them like <laughs> if there's someone was another one of their astrologers telling them in the future astrologers will get paid to write these memes? <laughs> like, what's a meme? But it's also very conflicting because as astrologer, we want to be valued for what we do, and I think that's why we're so well spoken and stuff and. Because we want, uh, we want to be recognized for what we do and the value of it. Um, and I think that the memes, even though it's like going in that direction, I'm always struggling to kind of just bring content that is like thoughtful. And even though I know it's not the most popular thing online, I just think, okay, well, if only, you know, 40 people like this. But it's like thorough as opposed to just something like quick. But the most response I've ever got on social media is always when I do like really superficial, quick, like joking stuff. And then I'm like, oh, you know, why am I spending so much time on on purpose and death, you know? Yeah. It's a it's conflicting rough. It's a conflicting tool. Social media is a really conflicting tool because you can go both ways. <laughs> Well, I think um, it's interesting because as I was researching for this episode, I found something um, from this site where it was talking about uh, what apps are most used uh, and as far as self-help goes. And I found this one small paragraph talking about the difference between apps developed in Russia and those in the U.S. And apparently apps in Russia are actually often based on subjects like astrology, um, IQ, and psychology, whereas in the West, apps cover more quote-unquote practical subjects like uh, Lumosity, like the brain trainer, Lumosity, or meditation apps like Unstuck. So I thought that was actually interesting um, because that kind of, surprised me in a sense when you know like at least you know I'm on Instagram and I guess I suppose that I'm su I'm surrounded by other astrologers and other people in this field so like that's all I see but I feel like you know there has definitely been a significant uptrend in astrology and its popularity and awareness of it so I was surprised to see that actually Russia is much more and of course India which is like don't even get started on that. It's like, you know, it's like 10 worth 10 billion or something like that there in India, like the astrology industry in some sense. Um, I didn't research really on how they quantify that, but you know, it's, um, it's interesting. So I'm wondering if you guys feel like, uh, if you have anything to say about that or if you feel like that true or, you know, I mean, I guess we can't really say if that's true or not, but as far as your experience and what you've seen, What's your, what's the question really? Specifically? So, um, do you guys feel like, do you feel like, you know, people are using much more, like, do you have any experience with people using astrology apps? Like, do you know people that are using astrology apps? Do you know like a ton of people that are using astrology apps? Or do you think that people do lean more towards things like maybe meditation or becoming smarter, like training their brain for memory and then maybe, 
somehow, somewhere along the line, they, you know, indirectly get involved with astrology and then start, like, getting into astrology apps or something. Yeah, for me. Go ahead, Elodie. Yeah, I was just going to say it's a total different experience than Annabelle because I'm in Newfoundland, which is, like, a remote island in the Atlantic, and I'm the only astrologer here. (laughs) And I know that in New York there's, like, a booming community of astrologer and witches and so obviously for me I'm surrounded with more just like regular folks and anybody that will like in my surrounding that are astrologers or interested in this kind of stuff is mostly online so yeah in, in my in my classes, you know, uh, all of my students have time passages, which they use uh, to take screenshots whenever a question comes to their mind, and they take a screenshot for their horary, and they bring it in, and we, we all look at the screenshot together. So, like, we're definitely using apps in that regard, um, but I think more and more people are interested in learning more about their chart, and there definitely seems to be an increased um, interest in astrology apps, just based on what I've heard through um, talking to people. Uh, but I don't know if, you know, I don't, for example, I, I'm not sure. I have a lot of uh, ideas I still need to flesh out on that one. Yeah, there was also, so. yeah, there was also, I got offered, I think maybe uh, Ashley, you got offered this too. There was like an app being worked out in the spring where uh, it would be like daily horoscope and then there would be a real astrologer answering questions uh Anyways, it was a company based out of New York, mm-hmm. and I I did talk with the people, but then I was leaving for a cooking contract, so I didn't take the their contract. So I don't know if they actually went through with that app, but it sounds like a cool idea. Yeah, they're actually still in the working, I believe. I, it hasn't gone, it hasn't been released yet. Yeah, but oh, okay. yeah, they're they're still working on it, and okay. I think it should be released soon. But I don't want to, yeah, like yes. you, I want to leave it anonymous because I don't want to yeah. like leak any. Uh, information that they want to keep secret or something but okay. yeah because they had told me that they were releasing that this summer yeah like, yeah i, I think they they had planned to but then of course mercury went retrograde and who oh, knows, yeah. maybe they needed to like re-fix you know like re-assess or do something different with the software when i last spoke with them it was uh early august about that and they're like oh well it's it's we yeah. have to make some changes and we're thinking about you know like um doing this but they hadn't officially like started I don't think on the process and then they were doing it you know like last month so I think they the anticipation of it being released is you know uh, it's going to be released soon I think I'm sorry oh no <laughs> um well anyways I think that the combination of technology and astrology is definitely changing the way we do astrology and it's amazing I personally think I think that, like as much as the other side of it where there's like more trashy content and stuff the the possibility of what we can do the fact that we can have meetings online like the aya community having supper together or like drinks and supper and a guest astrologer come and speak you know all that kind of stuff that technology allows us to do i think for astrologers is really beneficial so yeah i like i think the apps the interactive apps or just apps in general. I use like Time, uh, Time Nomad, um, and a few other apps. I think that it's like definitely awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so 
we actually it's funny because I have like um, more in this outline, but I feel like much of it we've covered um, in some way or another. There's just a few other things that I want to talk about before we uh, finish or before we wrap up. And uh, one of them is I wanted to bring up and you had just mentioned this a few minutes ago, Elodie, was the fact that you really like live off the grid. You live. <laughs> Like, I guess kind of like it seems like in the middle of nowhere, like it's nice. It's beautiful. You're always like uploading these amazing nature photos and videos, which I love. But um, you really don't like you're not. It's definitely nothing like New York City or even where I am. You know, it's uh, and you had mentioned something a while back about um, something that I thought was kind of interesting was the idea of the Neptune and Capricorn generation. Um, and I was wondering if you had any more thoughts or wanted to expand on this, particularly since Saturn and Pluto are co-present and transiting Neptune and Capricorn. And what you had said was something to the effect of, um, I mean, it, it wasn't, I'm, I'm really paraphrasing. So if I misspeak, you know, you can correct me, but it seemed like it was, you know, a comment talking a little bit about like spiritual materialism or maybe just like the trend and like, the, the fact that astrology, while there is definitely substance to it, there are also those, of course, who are attracted to it just because it seems like it's the cool thing now. Like, you'll have that no matter where you go or what thing you look at. Um, but in this case, we're talking about astrology and um, seeing how it's become so much more popular in the last, like, five years, for example. I, you know, like, I wonder how much of that is. Uh, how much of that is due to just because it's, you know, like someone sees a funny meme or thinks it's cool. Whereas, honestly, I feel like a lot of people are just a lot of younger people, for example, maybe or maybe even people that are going through like midlife crises and they're going through these changes are resonating when they're trying to find answers. But they're all there is, of course, that um, that small population, maybe or maybe it's larger than I think that is tied into this idea of um, tied into spiritual materialism like they're they're like associating with like oh well i am so evolved because i know about this or i study astrology or you know i am i operate at a quote-unquote higher level consciousness which i really can't stand when people say stuff like that and they might not say it exactly like that but then like they can't even really define what that means like what is higher consciousness so um, I wanted to ask if you could elaborate a little bit more on what your con what your comment was. Um, I don't remember saying that, but I do think about that generation a lot because I cook in the summer. I cook on tree planting camps, and most of the people on tree planting camps, it's like two months. We're on clear cuts. They plant trees. I feed them, and there most of them are born in the nineties. Um, like so, they all have that that signature and so I've been observing them and doing a lot of their astrology they come to the kitchen to get their supper and I have my computer out and you know they're just like so I gauge that generation a lot and so yeah I've been observing the like Neptune uh, and Capricorn even the Neptune Uranus uh, and Capricorn conjunction but you know I find the most striking and I'm diverting from what you're saying but there's this willingness to work for their dreams and make it happen like i'm surrounded with in young entrepreneurs that have already businesses running in their 20s 
from that yeah. generation. And I'm just like, wow, when I was in my 20s, that's not what I was doing at all. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's definitely this sort of manifesting potential with Neptune in Capricorn. Um, but I can't remember that comment that I, that you well, mentioned. Well, it wasn't, yeah, I, I probably really like, uh, I really did. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really do service to what your comment was. It was basically like, uh, it was during Mars retrogrades. It was during, um, it, so it was something about like, um, everyone, you know, all these, I don't know if it was millennials, I don't remember exactly what you said, but like, everyone has something to post about like a spiritual offering, like everyone, wants to be offering some kind of service, even if maybe they aren't the most experienced or maybe not even that experienced at oh, all. Oh, yes, I remember that now because I did get a lot of feedback for that, for saying yeah, that. Yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah. Um, I would have to backtrack and go, I have a terrible memory. Okay, <laughs> just, okay. I don't have Mercury in Pisces, but I do have Mercury in the 12th house. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I can't, I, like, I'm getting the gist of it, but yeah, no. Okay, so, well, I mean, this is not to say, like, of course, this is not to say, like, oh, you Neptune Neptune and Capricorn, you know, generation, like, you guys are so materialistic, or you guys are so, like, fake, or anything like that, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying, I just, I don't um, think that's where I was coming from, either, because I no. do have a lot of admiration for that generation, and just, like, how much, like, how much they can, like, will things. <laughs> I guess my point was, yes, I, I agree, and I see that a lot, too. Um, people that, like, younger, and I'm like, wow, you guys are very uh, driven. But um, I guess what I the point that I was trying to get at was that sometimes it seems like spiritual materialism, like we can come into contact with people, and it seems to be a hurdle to get around when we're speaking with clients. Um, it's like, how do you make someone aware of that and how to navigate that if they – if you are like talking about their chart or maybe they want to talk about their chart with you because they think like, you know, they just think exceptionally high of themselves and not in a sense of like being confident because there's one thing to be confident and that is a, you know, that's an asset. That's just great to be confident. But then there's another that's like, you know, it's like, um, oh, well, I'm a Libra rising, so I'm nicer than you are. So maybe that's a really bad example. Like, you know, that would be something that you see like, oh, well, I'm, I'm, you know, more polite or I'm nicer than you or something like that. Something. I do like not that. tolerate that kind of attitude. <laughs> like people who, like, take excuses like that. Maybe that's why I'm not surrounded with people like that, really, or if I notice it's striking because I, yeah, it's... And I was but wondering... I do you guys feel like, um, do you ever notice, like, or do you think that there's a market which seems to be um, growing that's catering to, you know, because they notice the upward trend of astrology and the interest in astrology um, that is kind of marketing products or things that are made by businesses with no expertise or no interest in astrology whatsoever, except for its dollar value. So, you know, like we have a similar thing and I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm going to be dedicating some time, you know, to that um, in another episode. But like, you know, we had a similar experience with kits that were being, uh, you know, talked about being sold recently. Um, but I think that there's similar things with astrology as well. And if it's the one thing, if they hire an astrologer who, you know, has experience and it's like they're collaborating to do some cool thing that's like fun, but then... On the other side of that is this, like, you know, these huge businesses, like, profiting big time when, you know, all that business 
could be potentially going to an astrologer that could use that money, like someone that's hungry, you know? Um, I have something to say about that, but I'm going to jump back to uh, Neptune uh, and Capricorn really Great. quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, in 2008, when we had the financial collapse in America, um, the the you know young adults that were graduating from college that year were basically you know if if they were graduate if we consider like oh you know high school was four years and they were only in college for four years you know around age 21 22 23 those were the that was the first batch of the Pluto in uh, I'm not sorry that was the first batch of the Neptune in Capricorn generation that was born you know in the mid 80s mm-hmm. so this financial collapse occurred at the same time that these young adults the very earliest of the neptune and capricorn generation were leaving college with all of these loans and how are how are they going to pay it off you know or maybe they were the kind of neptune and capricorn kids who were like you know what i'm not going to go to college i already know i'm into being like an an entrepreneur. I want to work where I want to travel and I'm not going to go either way. Here you are, you're a young adult. And it, it seems like, you know, all of the, the stock market is going up in flames. Like it's, you know, where's all the money going to come from? It's everything's collapsed. So around that same time, you know, um, Obama was elected. This is 2008. Pluto also entered Capricorn. So we have been going through so much transformation around how we make money, how we build businesses. And what we've moved into in the last decade or so is gig economy, where, you know, on one spectrum, we have people juggling as many jobs as possible, driving an Uber, you know, working um, as, you know, a handy person on a tax rabbit, doing all of these different things to like fill in the blanks to earn money. Um, or on the other end, you have people who um, through either luck or through support of other people and also obviously hard work um, are able to be entrepreneurs and make their dreams, come, quote unquote, dreams come true. But that whole idea of making dreams come true, right, that's Neptune. And Neptune and Capricorn says, I'm going to make my business dreams come true. And I think what happens is just like it's really hard to put a a dollar value on astrology and it's simply easier to put a dollar value on your own time because we can all kind of judge what our own time is worth. But a big thing like astrology, it's kind of hard to pinpoint like a a value on that. Um, The flip side can be true where because we don't know how to value um, astrology or something quote, quote unquote like witchcraft because we don't really know how to, not we but because someone might not know how to value it they also might not really realize when they've truly mastered it because all of it can be very nebulous it can feel very neptune it's like all right i took a one certification course and became an, became an energy healer in one weekend here we go i'm like a master healer now <laughs> yeah. and i'm not saying that can't happen but i'm saying that it's it's Neptune. It's very nebulous. So it's kind of, I think many people, um, are come, are starting these businesses very sincerely thinking that they're ready to like take on the world with their, you know, amazing healing abilities and astrological knowledge, but they don't really have, um, a full grasp on this, you know, on, of what's really going on <laughs> and, and yeah. what other people know. So something like, you know, this, uh, witch kit that recently was possibly going to be sold in some big department stores, but it was right. pulled. Uh, there, it goes back to the question of like, who owns this? I mean, I don't think anyone does, but like, that's what like a business might think about. Like, you know, like, like who are, are we, should we hire an, uh, a, a witch to help us with this or can we just do it on our, on our own? It feels very nebulous. I don't know if I'm really phrasing that right. Cause it's not so much about ownership and I'm not 
that's not really what, where I need to go with this, but it's this idea of like, who's the authority? Like who do yes, we go to? Yeah, exactly. Who's the authority? Like, can't we just have the authority? It's just branding, right? Like, I don't think that's true, but that's how some people think of these sorts of things. And we have to remember that Neptune is dreams, but it's also um, confusion. So there is some confusion about, you know, totally mastery and authority. Capricorn's yeah. all about authority. So that's what I have to say about that. Uh, you said it so well. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Um, yeah, you said, I mean, you said it really well. That's exactly kind of like what I was, I wanted to, not what I wanted to hear, but like wanted to know, like if you guys had opinions about that and you said it so well, it's true that um, the Neptune and Capricorn generation could be very, even though it's Capricorn, they could be very zealous about like their business goals and it's like, oh, well, you know, like you said, like you, they've taken a small course and they're driven and they're very motivated and, you know, practically speaking, they know how to make it happen, but sometimes there might be some gaps in their knowledge or, and of course, for everyone, we're all, you know, learning continuously, but there might be much more that they need to develop first, for example, before they're ready to take, to step into certain roles. And, um, we also have to remember that the year in, the, the Neptune in Capricorn generation isn't just the Neptune in Capricorn generation. They also, most of them have Neptune sextile Pluto. So yeah. that makes, that, that really kind of increases this, um, like you said, like, you know, zealous. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to change the world with like my, my Reiki one certificate. <laughs> Yeah, I've worked for some of that generation in restaurants, like maybe three, four years ago, just a really young couple who opened restaurant and they only started cooking and they are thriving, by the way. Now they have like two or three restaurants open in a bakery and all of that. But at the time, I already had like 15 years of cooking experience. And I was like, who are these little telling me what to do? They've mm -hmm. been cooking for like two, but they have the guts to like, open a place and just bring in coffee from like uh, South America and all this stuff and make bagels and make this sound happen, you know? And I was like, wow, like that's like at 25 years old, like that's amazing. To yeah. Do that. I think that's one of the talents of Neptune and uh, Capricorn as well is being able to project this kind of confidence and being able to just be like really Fake good sell salespeople. Yeah. Really good salespeople. And because they're being able to object, um, sorry, project some kind of image and, you know, Neptune is all about, like it's Neptune is all about marketing and like in Capricorn, it's just like, you know, being able to project this confident image and of authority and like, I know what I'm talking about, whether they do, whether they don't. And I think that a lot of them are able to succeed in that sense, but. And that's what's yeah. happening to social media and Instagram. I mean, it's, it's that generation running that too, you know, I think that a lot of it is like a, a lot of the trends and what we see is, is run by that generation. Yeah. It's that whole, like, if you, if you believe it, you can be it. Right. Yeah. And also, you know, like uh, there's that saying that if you're going to be a great salesperson, you have to really believe in your product. Right. And Neptune and Capricorn believes in its product, <laughs> whether it's a, a Snuggie or like, I mean, a, 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 it's not like a Neptune and Capricorn came up with a Snuggie, but I, <laughs> what I mean to say is that like, no matter, no matter what it is, it could be a hair tie. They will sell the crap out of it. Yes. It not even be a real product. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. It's like the movie, um, what was the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? I was at Wall Street or uh, what was it called? And he's like, sell me this pen. That is like, 
Yeah. Neptune catch and me Capricorn. Catch me if you can, I think. No, not catch me if you can. Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, Wolf of Wall Street. Thank you. Oh. Yes, like that is the perfect um, image or analogy for the Neptune and Capricorn generation. I think is sell me this pen. I mean, yeah. If your if your natal chart is is the world's transits when you're born, I mean, if we think about the '80s, that was just like you know Wall Street was it. Stock, you know, yeah. stocks were were crazy. So of course, people born of that generation. 20, 30 years later, they're going to really kind of just totally change the way the economy works. Yeah. And it's happening. Yeah. 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 Um, so something, speaking of, okay, so uh, one other point that I want to get to was that, um, and I touched on this briefly, but we didn't really expand on it, and that, that is that people tend to turn to astrology in times of stress. So there was this uh, small 1982 study that was done by, a psychologist named Graham Tyson, and they found um, that people who consult astrologers did so in response to stressors um, that, you know, things that they were stressed out about in their lives. And so um, basically they found that people that were under high conditions of stress are the people that were consulting astrologers, and they didn't really find the bottom line was that, or the conclusion to the study was that the only thing that all the people in their study, which was a small study, the only the only thing that they had in common was that they were all really stressed out, and that there wasn't really anything else uh, in common. So um, who isn't stressed out? Right. I just I don't think it's that. <laughs> and also, I mean, usually when you buy something, it's because you have a need, right? So yes. and 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 you know what? With my astrology practice, I can't tell you how many people just want to have a consultation because they just want to check in or it's my birthday or I just, I'm curious. I want to learn about it. So I don't, first of all, I don't, I don't even think that's true anymore. I know the study is old. Um, I don't think that's true anymore. And even if it was, I, you know, show me someone who's not stressed out. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was curious if you guys feel, if you guys agree with the, um, idea that um, so there was another survey that was taken by the American Psycholo Psychological Association. Um, so this is data that was taken from since 2014, so fairly recently. That um, millennials, of course, have been the most stressed out generation, and that this has, of course, increased since 2010. So of course, you know, we have like crashing of the market and millennials not being able to get jobs and jobs that they should be getting paid for or getting paid what they're worth uh, because of, you know, their degrees and their background and their education, let's say. Um, but uh, millennials and even Gen Xers have been significantly more stressed than their older generations. And um, the 2017 edition of APA survey says that 63% of Americans were significantly stressed out about their country's future. And I'm curious if you guys feel like that contributes to, you know, younger generations who are more stressed out because of, you know, the global crisis and politics that have been going on, the huge changes, especially since 2016, if uh, that has any any role in people seeking out astrologers and, and consoles. Um, do, do you mind if I start? Go for it. No. Yeah. Go um, I think there's a third piece missing here in this in this idea of stress millennial stress millennials and astrologers and the third piece is social media and the internet um yes. they're all connected i think that 
I think that millennials are more stressed because we're constantly hooked on our phone. And the millennials I know who are not stressed out are the ones who work all day in an environment where they cannot at all be on their phone. And afterwards, they go hang out with their friends and they maybe spend two minutes on Instagram a week. You know, yeah. like those are the happiest people I know. Um, and the other thing is that on social media, astrology is everywhere. Yeah. So that is just kind of, you know, social media is making people stressed out, but it's also giving them the quote unquote cure of, you know, magic and astrology and, you know, yoga tips and meditation tips. It's all, to, you know, together. I yeah. totally, I totally agree. Social media, it's definitely creating so much anxiety. Yeah. It's like, because there's the feeling that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing or you're not being productive enough or something, which we already feel like as in a society, but now it just, you know, it just accelerates it. And also not to sound, you know, like an old lady here, but I really think that every minute that you're spending on, on, on your phone doing just random things instead of like using your hands in some way or like looking in someone's eye and having a conversation is, is the minute you become less healthy. I just really feel that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the stress and a lot of the issues for people today, not just younger people, because not just younger people use uh, social media or, you know, not just hooked on their screens is, uh, you know, I think that the stress is all just a large thing of like mental imbalances um, and because of that, you know, it's like our eyes are constantly looking at these really bright screens and we're having to adjust and, um, you know, like we're looking in our beds or all of that. But um, I also want to of- say before we, we, we end this episode that I am a millennial. I have Neptune in Pluto. I have I have Pluto in Scorpio um, and I am on my phone all day long. So I'm not talking crap about every, anyone. I'm, I'm, I'm judging myself. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I also have Neptune and Capricorn and that Pluto and Scorpio. So, um, you know, I'm not like, of course, um, I know this because I am part of that generation. That's how I know and can speak about this. Yeah, totally. So it's not like I'm just trying to talk trash about all you other Neptune and Capricorn. Capricorn. <laughs> I have Neptune and Sag and I'm on my phone all day. <laughs> so Yeah, well, right now Neptune is, you know, in Pisces and it has been for a while. And um so this is the very last thing I want to talk about before we wrap this episode up, and that is, um, you know, being that Neptune is in Pisces, um, it kind of points to this something that was also from um, part of the research that I did and this article. It's all from the same one, and actually you were quoted in it, Annabelle. Um, but this is from someone created this uh, intelligence group there. They released a trend report in 2016 called unreality. And it says that, you know, we're increasingly turning to unreality as a form of escape and a way to search for other kinds of freedom, for truth and for meaning. I definitely feel like that applies to astrology's role on the internet and especially in social media. Um, But then they continue to say that what emerges is an appreciation for magic and spirituality the knowingly unreal and the intangible aspects of our lives that defies big data and ultra transparency of the web. Um, They further went to say like this reactionary cultural 180 has happened during the enlightenment. um, And then they talked about basically almost as if a way like, you know, like our lives are too structured and we have too many things going on. And so tuning 
into this is actually, well, rather I'm saying tuning in. They are basically saying that it's kind of like a way to tune out and to just, you know, like to indulge or to escape into what's unreal. And I don't agree with that because, yes, it might not be tangibly something you could touch or see, but um, astrology is I mean, and yeah, it can be a way of escapism. It can be unhealthy in a, um, if you're not using it in an appropriate way. But I use it, and I like to think that I use it and see other astrologers using it as a way to tune in, to be more aware and conscious of your patterns of behavior or what's going on and the synchronicities in life and seeing events and being able to maybe you can't change something that's happening in your life, but you could change or choose the way that you respond to it and think about that and, you know, think about things that you have don't you don't have control over, but, um, you know, change your perspective on those things that you can't have control over and not be suffering from them, but maybe see it as a way to question what you can learn from it. I have a lot to say about that, but Elodie, do you want to go first? No, go for it. So I think that it's important for our people to keep in mind that there's a really big difference. Um, well, not a big difference, but that you, you can enjoy fantasy, right? Neptune fantasy. You can enjoy fantasy while still being completely embodied down to earth and grounded. The two are not two different. The, the two can coexist. That's what I need to say. You know, there's this, there's a coexistence that can take place. I personally love mythology. That's part of the reason why I became interested in astrology as a young person. But to me, mythology informs real life. It, it's not a form of escapism. It's a form of, of understanding the world around me. I think that perhaps for some people, um, the, the occult or astrology could be a form of escape. And you know what? Fine. Go for it for them. You know, for some people, they escape by taking drugs. For others, meditation. For others, going to like a rave. And for others, going to like a seance. That's cool. Everyone has their different way of doing things. But for most people who are studying astrology or who are getting consultations, this is a way to engage in totally in fantasy and mythology and this thing that seems really out of everyday life and very out of the ordinary, but it's still very grounded and practical and something that we're, we're using as a tool. So it's able to occupy both spaces. And in terms of, you know, Neptune's influence and in all this, when Neptune was in Sagittarius, you know, early 80s, don't play Dungeons and Dragons because, like, we're a good Christian family. Or we had all of these, like, cults that were, like, springing up. You know, um, what what is that uh, uh, documentary called? Wild Wild Country. It's about a cult that, you know, uh, that's on Netflix. It's a show on Netflix that's about a cult that came into, uh, uh, you know, the public eye during uh, Neptune and Sagittarius. Then Neptune was in Capricorn. You know, we're still believing in organized religion, but we're definitely really believing in money, right? That's Wolf of Wall Street. And then Neptune enters Aquarius, and sure, we're really into aliens with X-Files, and, you know, the New Age is definitely coming up with Neptune and Aquarius, but for the most part, people are really believing in science, right? Big Bang Theory becomes, like, a huge show. Everyone's an atheist now. But now Neptune is in Pisces. <laughs> And so people are believing in magic and people are seeking to kind of get out of the of, of everyday life. And I don't think that enjoying fantasy needs to mean being um, just like a, a unembodied or uh, out of the real world in any way. You know, it's we're not talking astrology is not the same as an LSD trip, you know, so it's right. oh, we're all seeking to like leave our realities like that's astrology is not going to provide that. It's very mind expanding, but it's not. It's not a drug, you know, it's not, 
it's not taking anyone out of this realm. I'm really interested to see in the future what astrology, how people are going to re, uh, engage with astrology and social media and in the public at large, you know, not just in astrology communities, but, you know, astrology in the world um, when Neptune enters Aries. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, you, I love the way that you said, um, I suppose that perhaps the way that I was framing it and the way that I was looking at it might come across or it might have been uh, maybe a, a bit of a value judgment and a sense of like uh, tuning in versus tuning out. Whereas the way that you framed it is that it's not necessarily like it's not a negative thing if it is a form of escapism for you, but or, you know, just to be indulging in fantasy, because that fantasy can also inform us in ways that is can be used as a tool. So it's useful and it's um, it can be indulgent at the same time. Yeah, and it's going to be different things for different people, but certainly to call it, oh, this, you know, like we're leaving reality, I don't think that's fair, you know, for someone else to outside the astrology community to claim that. It's actually very cerebral, if you, if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. Um, fantasy, like watching Netflix, like whole series on Netflix in one evening is a lot more like chin than... Yeah, Netflix yeah. and chill is way more, <laughs> way more, yeah. I think astrology has that image, but I don't think that's what it did. Like, obviously, I can't really define what astrology is. There's many astrologies, but uh, to to somebody that doesn't know astrology, they they perceive it as some form of like woo woo or you know something flaky. But most people don't even want to take the time to think about it because it's so cerebral. They're just like, oh my god, this is too complicated. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, or may it could be my approach too. <laughs> I know that, like, if somebody comes to me for astrology, I will also give them a lesson. I'm kind of along with you, Annabelle. I'm really interested in teaching as opposed to just like giving answer. Yeah. I mean, I love horary and I love giving answers, but it's just it's not. <laughs> it's not my. Sense. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. It doesn't make my heart sing to do that. Right. I think for yeah. a lot of astrologers, it's you know, the fact that we love to talk about astrology and we like to talk about all the things that you can't talk about with someone that doesn't know about it. It's like when you're doing a chart for someone and you're at the client that's not a student or um, not another astrologer, you're very limited in, in how much of that you can speak. You know, it's like you really have to be able to translate what you're saying to just regular English or whatever language you speak and not speak about the technical aspects or you know any of the concepts and that is what is so fun and you know for at least for I think for a lot of astrologers that that's part of the fun is like getting deeper into that language and yeah, not you're like the language itself but just because you know there are things you can't really touch upon with people because you're trying to break it down in the simplest most easy to digest form so the synchronicities in transit sometimes is mind-blowing. And when you're just sitting with a person that doesn't know, you can't be like, look at this. Look at this timing. Right. It's incredible. Yeah. I do that. I do that with clients. And I sometimes think about afterwards. I'm like, I must sound like either not serious about what I do or I might just sound like really crazy or like I'm just trying to like sell them on it. But it's like I'm, I see it and I'm like, wow, this is really like, wow, this is really on point. Okay. You know, and, and that's it. So, um Anyways, um, yeah, so I think that's a good point to wrap up. Thank you both for taking the time to 
uh, sit and speak with me about this more in depth. It's been something I've been wanting to touch on for a while, and I'm glad I finally got to do uh, something to talk about this because um, while I didn't do this survey that I had said I wanted to do, I had spoken with a couple of other astrologers about this, and they seemed to think it was a good idea back then, but then you know, I got distracted and I was probably doing a lot of other projects at the time, so I never did it. But now I feel like I've done some justice in being able to like cover this and talk with a couple of other astrologers um, and, you know, who have opinions and have things to say about this as well. So thank you both for giving me your time to do this. Um, this is awesome. Where can people find you guys if they want to contact you, if they want, you know, a reading or if they want to come learn with you or just, you know, ask questions or, you know, pay you money to do their chart or something like that? Where can people find you guys? You go first, Elodie. Uh, I'm at the ninthhouseastrology.com and my name is Elodie Miao and I kind of sneak around. I'm not super obvious, but <laughs> you'll find me. Uh, and people can find me on uh, Instagram at Annabelle Gatt or on Twitter at Annabelle Gatt underscore. I also have a website, AnnabelleGatt.com, but I don't really update it very frequently. So the best place to see if I'm teaching a class or, uh, you know, doing something interesting is going to be on my social media. And I teach classes in Brooklyn if you're in Brooklyn. And I also have two podcasts you should check out if you like spirituality or astrology. I have the Serpent Cast with Sophie St. Thomas, which is about sex and spirituality and Annabelle Gatt's astrology show, which is exactly what it sounds like. All right. I'd say that's a wrap. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate it on iTunes or Google Play so others have a better chance of finding it. And make sure to let your friends know by sharing it via Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. You can also download episodes directly from the site at www.cosmicsoupbowl.com. Until next time, 